This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talk with Sadia Muzaffar. She wrote an article a little while back called, I Told a Dude How Much I Made and It Changed My Life. Um, and we talked to her today about the experience of finding out that she wasn't making a fair salary compared to her male counterparts um, and what she did about that and how things have kind of developed into this much larger conversation um, and her take on the whole thing. It was really, really interesting. Uh, Michael, what did you learn from it? Yeah, I, you know, I saw the article go go live and um, and, you know, I went back and forth with her on, on Twitter a bit about it and the comments started turning pretty negative. Um, pretty fast. And that's where I was really kind of shocked because I thought, oh, 
you know, this is an issue we need to deal with, but I didn't realize the severity of it. And, and when the comments were, were so kind of overwhelmingly negative, um, I thought, well, this is, is such an important issue. I want to hear what she has to say. So it was really fascinating um, to listen to her point of view um, on this and some of the suggestions that she had. So what we can do as leaders and employees to help, help change um, this problem. So let's get into it. We're so happy to have Customer.io supporting the show again. We use Customer.io for HookFeed, and we absolutely love the power it gives us. Customer.io is a data-driven email platform that helps you communicate better with your customers. The kicker is that their powerful rules-based targeting enables you to keep your messages human even as you automate them and scale. Go to customer.io slash rocketship to start sending emails that convert. So you... You were featured in an article on CNN um, called I Told a Dude How Much I Made and It Changed My Life. Um, I would love to hear a bit about what you were doing at the time and, and kind of walk us through that, that story um, from, from that time in your life. Sure. So it's, I guess, important to remember that I started this off on Equal Pay Day as a series of tweets mm. where I said, it's great that we're talking about equal pay and people were discussing Patricia Arquette and what had recently transpired around equal pay for women. And I said that a big part of this is for me to be able to share what it's like to actually live the equal pay um, struggle. And a part of it is not knowing um, what to benchmark against so when you're saying equal the the logical question is equal to whom and to what amount and what i had shared as my experience was earlier on in my career i was working um in a very in in a great large multinational company and i had realized that a lot of the guidance that i was getting around progress and advancement and professional development wasn't really translating into um, a career progression for me. And I was frustrated, but I wasn't getting the kind of feedback that I needed to give them what they needed to see in order to, you know, give me a raise and um, a promotion. And because this was early on in my career, I was relying on things like, you know, your one-on-ones and your professional development stuff and HR and out of sheer frustration, one day I was sitting with one of my friends who happened to be a dude, and I just said, here's how much I'm making, and I know that this is not enough, but I have no way to know um, what it should be. And as soon as I said that, he just looked at me like, whoa, 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 that is like a lot less than, and then he named two people who were doing exactly what I was doing. One of them had been around just as long as I had, hmm. but one of them had joined later. So I had seniority over them, and I was making less money than them. The other two people happened to wow. be dudes. And had you ever had a conversation with like your your boss about you know like advancement or um, anything around around you know the the raise or uh, performance review? Every single performance appraisal, yeah. every single one of them. I'm very data driven, so I would go in with questions like, 
what do I need to do better? What are the skills that I need? And, you know, what's the next step and where am I going? And it's almost irrelevant where exactly I was working because this happens in a lot of places. And the feedback that I got was um, kind of, you know, steady Eddie, just like keep at it. Here are three things that you can work on, but not here are three tangible things that you can, you know, cover in the next six months and then most will, you know, that will reflect in your pay grade, et cetera. So I was being So was it like they were constantly dangling a carrot, but you never really could reach it? Yes, Mm. that would be a, a really good visual. But I, it was almost like it wasn't malice, right? It, this is a system in which I was placed where I wasn't provided um, the, the tools that I needed in order to gauge, A, if I was actually, you know, doing well. Because in doing well, I'm not doing well to please my boss. I'm doing well to progress in my career. Two, those are two different things. And I want to add here that the performance appraisals that I was getting were really great, super positive, glowing remarks. So it was mixed messages to me in terms of if I'm doing everything so right, because there will always be things I can be better at like anyone else. So it was kind of like that carrot that every time I kind of reached for it, it's a mirage and it's, you know, it's a holographic carrot maybe. Yeah. So what happened when you went and, and presented this to management? Um, I didn't name any names. I said, I've come across this information and I think this is unfair and I need to know how this will be corrected. And the response I was given was mostly around, well, this just happens to be in the middle of the year and we don't, you know, make any changes in the middle of the fiscal. So we will review this, not correct this, but review this at the end of the year. And What was frustrating for me was zero acknowledgement of what I had actually found, which was an unfair pay ladder Mm -hmm. and no logical explanation of why I was on it other than, you know, I didn't know any better and that I was a woman. Um, At that time, I hadn't known as much about, you know, sexism that is rampant in our sector, but it felt very targeted and very unfair because all the other information that I had found, there was nothing else that was different other than gender. So when you, when you started tweeting on equal pay day, um, what were some of the things that you found um, or, or that surfaced from, you know, from starting this conversation? So the first and probably the most overwhelming reaction initially was women tweeting at me saying this has happened to me too and I've always thought it was just me Mm. and this is one of the ways by virtue of which this stays um, entrenched in our system is that everyone is made to feel like they are an isolated incident even if it's caught and brought to someone's attention because you know our policy manuals all say the right things right we are all equal opportunity employers Mm -hmm. So there is no acknowledgement that there is a systemic bias. So that was the first wave of women uh, retweeting and then sharing their own um, stories around this, followed very quickly by mostly men jumping in and saying, oh, no, this is not how it is. Let me explain to you 
how this works, dear women. Um, everybody is paid according to their skills. And those in technology are very measurable. So if you were worth um, what you wanted to get paid, you would have gotten it. Wow. And then the other stream that I got was, well, it's your fault that you didn't negotiate. So don't come around and tell us that it was unfair because you should have negotiated. And if you recall from the article, one of the key things that I said was, I would have negotiated if I had known what I was negotiating against. Right. Right. I mean, what are um, that was one of the big things that I saw in the comments was men are just amazing negotiators and women are not. And it totally changes. Like, are you getting paid to do the job or are you getting paid to negotiate your salary? You know, it. Absolutely. And that is so key, Joel, right? Because mm -hmm. those are actually two very separate skill sets. And it's great if you've got both, you know, kudos to you. But it's actually not necessary that you ought to have great negotiating skills if you're a good coder or, you know. So to decouple, that is very, very important. Also, let's not forget that women are penalized for being assertive. So even if women were to go out and do what men do, which is, you know, demand what they're owed and maybe, you know, outfit so they have a little bit of cushion. Women are penalized because they're labeled aggressive and bitchy. And so it's not a level playing field, even if we play by the broken rules, which we shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I was kind of amazed at was the overwhelming kind of justification for the system um, in the comments. Uh, they, they, there was every excuse as to why it exists without any real acknowledgement of this is not fair. Maybe it's something we should look at. And very elaborate stories about women's restrooms um, be costing more and pregnancy time and um, <laughs> and it goes on and on rather than just saying, well, maybe we should just, you know, try to do a better job of paying equally. Oh, totally. And the comments are equal parts fascinating and horrifying because they give us a window into how far people will go like you said to justify a broken system my favorite one out of all of those was to say that the the real discrimination was that tall people always get paid more than women there's actually evidence that women you know have equal pay but it's the tall people that we should be focusing on and you don't really know how to read that um in, you know, when you have so many of them. But I think it's important to remember that a lot of these people are reading an article that is clearly anecdotal because I am relating my story. Mm -hmm. I'm not even making like a big arc, just saying, this is what I went through. Here's what I found. Here's what I did. And here was the result. And they are commenting in saying, well, your experience does not represent reality. It is not valid because I have a different opinion of this. And they forget that their opinion as mostly men, mostly white men, and mostly people who are actually not working in technology is not valid 
either if that's the the criteria we're going after. But in their mind, they can discredit me because, you know, en masse, they disagree with the discomfort that I'm bringing to their notions of truth and what it boils down to, which is what they have earned is perhaps not entirely on merit. Mm. Maybe there is a factor there of them having an advantage. That's what's getting to people really at the end of the day, underneath all these hilarious uh, or cringeworthy or even threatening and violent and misogynistic comments. Um, that's what's getting to them is my story, even though it represents one part of the reality, threatens what they think is their worldview. So you said something interesting uh, a few minutes ago that you would have negotiated if you knew what you were negotiating against. Um, transparency is kind of a, a sticky topic with a lot of people. What kind of objections have you heard? Um, and did you bring that up during that meeting or at a later time with that company? Uh, and, you know, what kind of reaction did you get? So I think it's important to remember that when we talk about transparency, policy is one thing and the implementation is quite another. So just because our policies state that, you know, there will be no discrimination does not mean that it gets implemented that way. So when I brought that up in that meeting, as I mentioned, the most frustrating part for me was zero acknowledgement of how this was unjust because they kept pointing to a policy that they had literally in a manual that was like 200 pages thick saying, this is not what we do. We are an equal opportunity employer. We pay fairly because look here, right here, it says this is what we do. So I felt like I, I was running into a wall bringing that up because there was no personal acknowledgement of what the policy was meant to do. Um, in terms of people, um, generally, and now what I've seen, it goes back to what Michael was mentioning. People will go to fascinating lengths to create this little diorama of reality that validates what they think is right. And more often than not, what they think is right is based on what benefits them, right? Yeah. So the transparency conversation is huge for me because I think until we acknowledge what we are accountable for, we will never get to a solution because right now, as you can see from the comments, we're in denial. That's literally the phase that we're in, despite so much data that we can drown twice in it. What kind of things can, um, you know, our, our emerging leaders and CEOs do to help, um, you know, to help build equality and transparency into their culture today? That's an excellent question. I think it's because the problem is so multifaceted and so much bigger than just a sector, mm -hmm. the ways in which to address are unique and we can get creative as long as the intent behind it is right. So I know of startups in the Valley who have paid transparency. They actually publish what everybody gets paid. And to me, that is amazing and so gutsy to actually go against a system that is based on secrecy. 
and shrouding. And I think that's a great example of how you can change the game by making one decision and actually following through. I'm sure that for that startup and many others like them, there was a tipping point where they said, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and do it. There is no precedence, but we're going to just do it because we can disrupt this. And there are pros and cons to every situation. I've heard from people saying if there is total transparency, that's like giving ammo to your competitors because then they know. But you know what? You're, this is what it comes down to. Everyone is asking for an incentive to be just and fair. And that really rankles me. All these arguments around, you know, why is diversity good for business? It is great for business. And there is so much data around that. But that's actually kind of not the point. Hmm. You know, that's a nice bonus to me. um, That your business will do better. You will cater to your demographic better. But I think you want to do this because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And and on that transparency front too, I think people forget the difference between being transparent within a company and being transparent to everyone outside the company. And there's a big difference. I think you don't necessarily have to share what people are making with the world, but internally within the company, that's a different story. And that's huge, right? Because we talk so much about culture fit and trust and building, you know, an environment in which everyone feels comfortable and welcome. Yet we associate that with ping pong tables and, you know, yoga stuff in the morning. We don't talk about the things that actually matter tangibly to a lot of lives. And that's the pay that they're coming in there for as well. Because you can have a lot of perks for me as an employee. But if I find out that I'm not getting paid equally for equal work, none of that actually matters. Yeah. And there's an interesting point there with perks versus culture. Um, When you approach a culture, uh, you know, being open and transparent so everyone feels comfortable and and is happy with what they're doing, um, that, you know, that can be even more powerful than being poached by a competitor uh, because they know your salary. Um, There's also a lot more that goes into why you work at the company that you work at. And we don't talk about that enough, right? Right. right. Because we do statistics. We, we What doesn't get measured doesn't get changed. Right. So we don't measure that. And it's so true. There are very few people after a certain point in their career who would switch just for money. I think especially in technology and especially in um, the software side of things because of how things are set up and, you know, how possible things like flex time etc are the perks and culture are two different things so we should be talking about the economic value of being able to retain somebody beyond their actual paycheck yeah well you were recently on um i believe it was cnn you were on a panel um tell us a bit about what it was like you were talking to uh, an anti-feminist Um, and what was it like kind of going publicly in front of people and presenting this, um, this argument that has two very passionate sides? It was a very 
interesting um, combination of people. Uh, primarily because the panel was five people. Okay. One of them declared herself as anti-feminist, and she was brought in as a voice of dissent because, you know, all panels need that. Mm-hmm. So what was interesting for me was a lot of what we spoke about went beyond gender because we were talking about privilege and how privilege plays a role. And what I had said was, Although gender is a big one, race intersects with gender a lot when we talk about things like equality. So we can say that women make 77 cents to a dollar that men make, but women of color, Latina women and black women, make 56 cents to that same dollar. So that's why it's so important to talk about when we say equality Equal to whom? Because we've not even reached equality within our ranks, women. So that was a very interesting discussion because I think people are uncomfortable still talking about the validity of race as a factor, um, of class as a factor, of ability. Um, Nobody touches that with a 10-foot pole. The fact that, you know, accessibility and ability is not even part of our discussions uh, in most of these places. So pay equality is one of those things that sounds like it's about one thing, but so much plays into that. And that's why it's important to actually address it, because it's symptomatic of the biases and the barriers that we have in place that are invisible to so many of us because we've never been subjected to it. Which side of, um, like, I, I guess it's so hard within a capitalist structure to address something like privilege because um, it's what we seek. Uh, and it's kind of the benefit of, um, you know, quote unquote success. How do we approach something? Is it legislated? Is it is it like uh, the fabric of our culture that it needs to be changed in? How do you approach a problem of that mass? The magnitude is overwhelming, absolutely. And I don't think the solution is either or. So I would say in an ideal world, you would not need to legislate anything. Mm. People would actually pay attention, learn, you know, see their blind spots, have a change of heart and see that they have invisible biases that they've inherited without even knowing and then check themselves um, and do some introspection. That would be ideal to me. But the problem is people don't like change and people don't like being challenged and being told that, you know, everything that they've earned may or may not have had to do with what kind of privilege they occupy. So I think sometimes quotas and legislative initiatives help to open people's eyes Mm. and seed some change. It's like a catalyst. It's not a solution, and that's important to remember. A quota will never replace the need for a society and a culture to acknowledge this organically and address it from within. But it can kickstart it because we know that, you know, just talking about something actually doesn't resolve it. People don't like changing and nobody likes to surrender benefits. Right. So what advice would you give to a woman who is working in a company and either suspects or knows that she's not making 
uh, a fair salary compared to the male counterparts she works with. Um, what advice would you give her on how to approach that situation? That's a great question. Uh, I think what I can speak to is primarily my experience. If I think back to what could have helped me was if I had actually been able to share data that was around what I was getting paid and what other people were getting paid. I think just being armed with information changes the game for a lot of people. It wouldn't have changed the policies. It would not have changed the people that I was reporting to, but it would have made this decision a lot less shocking for me um, when it happened. And ever since then, um, I've made it a point that within our group of close friends, we all share this information. And every time there's a new person, I can tell you right now, this is how entrenched our social cues are. It is so uncomfortable for somebody to actually just name a number because we have gotten to a point where that number somehow represents our worth as people. And if it's lower than what they think it ought to be, Mm. They are uncomfortable saying it. And it's it's a process to separate those two things and say, while it's a big intrinsic part of, you know, who you are as a human, which is what you do and what you get for it, it is just one part. And unless you know what other people are getting as a benefit out of doing the same work, you wouldn't be able to decide if what you have is fair and I also want to say that it's not an exact science of you know dollar for dollar I think having a more holistic idea of you know what what are what are salary packages like these days women tend to not talk about this a lot we tend to shy away from numbers generally and sharing salary etc we don't do that as often as we should so that would be my advice to actually have a close group of friends and get comfortable sharing that. And the more you share, the better your idea, but you need to be able to give in order to get that. So just making that leap. Right. And arming yourself with data when Absolutely. you go into that discussion. Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of data because at the end of the day, it's hard to argue that. I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it really helps with your positioning. And then at least you're at that point, kind of like I was way back when. If it's not changing, then you cut bait and you move on. And you can make decisions that are good for you instead of trying to change a system that's a behemoth and very, you know, David and Goliath kind of a dynamic there. One of the scariest things when, when speaking up is, is change. And we know, as we discussed, people hate change or, or avoid it. Um, but when you speak up, there's a possibility that um, you may lose your job, that the dynamics inside of the workforce were changed. And, and I know I have held on to what was okay um, in order to pre- pre- prevent moving into the unknown. Um, what happened to you after you spoke up and you decided to walk away? You know, did it, was it a, a career bump, um, you know, or a bump in the road? What, what did your life look like after you stepped away? I was very fortunate uh, that I had 
a support system around me to encourage me to actually make that leap. Mm. I am very, very cognizant that not every woman out there, every person who's been discriminated against, they don't have that. I had a mentor um, at the same company who said, you know, you need to do what's right for you. And I can tell you now, in hindsight, that was the biggest help having that. Um, It changed for me because even if you put the numbers aside, which actually got better for me afterwards, just because I knew, Mm. I think I felt like I had more control over what I was choosing because I felt blindsided by what I thought was a fair proposition in exchange for, you know, my talents and my labor and my allegiance. Um, And it wasn't. And that's, that was a difficult thing to recover from on a career trajectory. But I do know that that's not the case for so many people. And that's why we can't forget that when we're talking about, you know, women should speak up and they should negotiate. But there's a very specific cost to them. And not everybody is situated in a way where they can, you know, take on that brunt. Um, And like you said, you stayed in a situation which wasn't, you know, ideal. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's more dire than that. So that's why we can't saddle the equal pay struggle on women. Right. You can't say that you should just speak up next time. I, I say arming yourself with data, but there, that's no guarantee that you will be in a situation where that data might actually help you get equal pay. So that's why people who are in positions of power and authority in these places, it needs to come from them. And they need to be able to say, I want to foster a culture of trust and fairness and actually live the words that, you know, everybody kind of takes for granted now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Why was this the time for you to kind of take on this issue on, on a more of a, I guess, a more political front? It wasn't intentional on my part. Um, To be quite honest, I, I honestly feel like I touched a nerve with that CNN article. Yeah. Uh, that was probably one of their top pieces for that quarter. Wow. Because I kept getting comments. You know, like these days, things die within 24 hours online. That's the shelf life. Yeah. And I kept getting comments like weeks after that. And by comments, I mean not just comments on the article, but like random emails and tweets and that included positive stuff, but also people just arguing like the kinds of comments that you saw. So I really think that it's kind of like a perfect storm right now um, of enough people talking about it where it's, it's not quieting down to some people's liking. Mm. And that article for some reason touched a nerve both on the positive and the negative side um, of people being for or against it. So that culminated in it becoming what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And Shows you what a big problem it is too. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's the cone of silence, right? Everybody keeps thinking it's just them. Meanwhile, it's like literally thousands and millions of us thinking it's just us. Well, and I think people are starting to realize that it's a bigger problem, but you don't necessarily know what to do about it. 
um, especially if you don't want to jeopardize your career or you're not sure what kind of backlash you might get. So it's definitely helpful to hear um, some of your advice on, you know, how to approach that situation and try and make it better for yourself. And that's such a great point too, Joel, because most of the women who um, reacted to or sent me notes around that either shared their own stories or they mentioned the article and tweeted or posted on their Facebook saying to their friends, would you do this with me? If I did, if I wanted to share, would you be one to like step up and do it? And that makes me so happy because I did not have that. Mine was an accident of just like saying it and just receiving this amazing piece of information that was empowering. But here are women who are saying, I'm reluctant, but I want to do this because it makes sense. Here's why I, you know, come support me and I will support you. And that's been the single best thing that's come out of this. That's awesome. How about the two of you? Have you had experiences? Well, Michael, you shared some, but Joel, have you had an experience that's related to somehow this vein? Yeah, actually, um, both, you know, somewhat personally, I, I don't know if I could actually say it was gender related, but I've had the experience of arguing for a raise and getting very vague um, kind of carrot dangling techniques and, you know, that kind of same response that you got. Um, but a friend of mine actually had a kind of a black and white experience, was one of the first employees at a company that grew really fast. And she had a male counterpart who started after her. And after years at this company, found out he was making significantly more than her. Um, and I, did, I know that goes on all the time. So it, it's great that you're kind of out there raising awareness and, and helping people feel empowered to actually do something about it. Thank you for saying that. I have a, a couple of things to share before we wrap up. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of walk away with some takeaways for everybody so that we can be better, men and women. I think it's really, really important that we don't speak for others. I, I get this all the time. So I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. I'm an immigrant. My reality is very different from, you know, a man uh, a white male, you know, who's always lived in one place and never had to immigrate. I don't think it's fair to be told that my version of what has happened to me is invalid. So I feel like we could be better at not speaking for others and actually believing them. And that goes especially for women. I think we shouldn't demand an incentive for equality. It's a really, really perverse way of talking about something that is such an important value for humanity. We need to be believed for what we're asking for. And the final thing, it is a-okay to not express your opinion on something and just learn from it. Mm. Sometimes that's a really, really good thing. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I know this isn't always the easiest topic to, to talk about. Um, and yeah, like Joel said, it's important. Um, so I, I really appreciate you coming on here and, and having the courage to, to talk publicly about it. I was just going to say, I would echo the same back to you. 
I think it's really, really important for people who have a platform to actually have these conversations. So I'm delighted and very appreciative of you taking uh, this topic and actually discussing it because I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so where do we keep up with you and kind of, you know, where can we get involved in this discussion um, past listening to this episode? So in terms of getting in touch with me, I'm always on Twitter um, at this tech girl. Uh, please say hello, ask me questions. I'm always learning from everybody and I love hearing your stories and also becoming better at this because it's not an exact science. We're all learning. And in terms of getting involved, I think a super amazing thing everybody can do starting today is not be a bystander. If you have information that can help somebody, please find a way of getting it to them because these things don't happen in bubbles. Managers know, HR people know. For every person who is paid unfairly, there are at least five people who have known about it and chosen to say nothing. And to some people, there is a great risk, but to some, there is a lower risk. So we need the people who have a lower risk so actually step up and correct this. That would be amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, but that's great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. It was delightful. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today. Are you ready?